before I came out, I was, uh, Carl, I was studying uh, not just the Bible, but I was studying the Constitution, too. Uh, it's a book that the, uh, the country was founded on, and it still works today. And in, and in the Constitution, it said that human beings have the, uh, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You, you know where we're going today. Oh, I told you we're going to shout it from the rooftops. We're, and we're not going to back off on it at all. Uh, you know, and then I'm reading some quotes from John Quincy Adams. And uh, obviously one of the framers of the, of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. And he said that those documents are completely inadequate to govern any other people than moral and religious people. So if you're not morally religious, you probably are offended by. Are you putting the pieces together? So the Constitution is designed to govern God-fearing, moral people. So if you're immoral, some of the latest, greatest decisions that have happened has probably got you in an uproar. But for me, it's victory. They overturned Roe v. Wade, so it's time to stand up and shout from the rooftops, hallelujah. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Amen. Have a drink. Man, you know something? I, we've, we've tried hard uh, getting away from the gospel and the, and the Constitution, and you just can't. It always ends up getting in the way. And it always brings us back to where God wanted us to start. Amen. Now, hold on. With him. And, and you can see just, I'm just going to read a couple of things today. And, uh, and you'll find that what, when, when the country and the people have all the problems is, is when they have unrepented sin in their life. That's basically the whole problem with what's going on in our world, not just in the United States, but all through the world. So if it gets on your shoes a little, uh, Pastor Jay got on mine when I was putting it together. The Word of God is 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 freedom, um, and it's and it sometimes will make you take inventory as well. I'll just say it that way. I'm being nice today. At the camp meeting, I was a little wound up, and you know somebody said something about my getup that I had on. They took pictures of my outfit. They were enamored with my. They want me to be in GQ next month. Is GQ still a magazine? I don't That may be politically incorrect now. I had a pair of shorts on, uh, plaid shorts, 
and when I put them on, my wife goes, those don't fit you anymore. Chris, I said, I'll, I'll ratchet them up with a belt and just kind of let them hang. Uh, and then I put on, obviously, the infamous cut-off flannel and, 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 and socks that go up to here with my red, white, and blue cowboy boots. I wanted to make sure that the enemy knew I was that guy. And Berger's like, man, there's got to be something going on here. Because that, I mean, you, you've set back the fashion industry quite a few times. But this one, this one here is at the top of the list. Um, it's okay. It's all good. Uh, let's do this and then we'll get into the meeting. Uh, so I just, I, I, I took a chunk from Psalm 51. This is after um, King David had a, had a deal with his, his eyeballs. Remember that he's seen Bathsheba on the rooftop and he's seen it, then he acted on it, then he ends up with her. And, he, and then once he did it, he realized he, he screwed up. And it's okay if you've screwed up. God allows U-turns. You can always come back to God. He'll, he'll, always, he'll always take you back. So two verses here in Psalm 51, 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So I'm trying to figure out what the right spirit is. What, what is the right spirit? And we all know that the world is full of spirits, some good and some bad. And that's what the Bible speaks of. He said, renew in me. He said, he said, help me out so I can get the right spirit basically back in me. And that's the spirit of the living God. Verse 11, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Because what blocks the blessing and the spirit of the living God on a person is unrepented sin. So if we're going to continually, habitually, intentionally, willful sin and expect God to cover it, it ain't going to happen. And he's not going to continue to bless you. You can read it in Malachi. You can read it in Chronicles. You can read it in Kings. And I'm not going to read it all, Pastor Jay, because it's too much. But you'll get, a, you'll get a shot in the arm before you leave with the gospel. And then he, and, he, and he shores up this thought, at least in my personal opinion, restore unto, I'm reading King James today, restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your, with your free spirit. So restore, he said, basically what he was confessing is the joy of my life is out. Because I have committed sin in your eyes, and I want to get back into to a right standing with you. Right. Did you ever do that with your parents when you was little? You got out of graces with your mom and dad because you didn't put your bike up or whatever it was, and, you know, and your dad was mad or your mom was mad because you ate the cookie or whatever it is, and you wanted to get back in graces uh, with them. This is like getting back in uh, good graces with your daddy. And the joy that he's talking about here uh, is, is it's a feeling of pleasure, happiness, and well-being. I want to get back 
that well-being feeling that I had before when I went off into a, a sinful life. So he's asking the Lord to restore me today. Amen? Amen. So that's what we're going to talk about through this whole uh, meeting today, this camp meeting. So when we leave here, we're going to head up to and, and start the camp meeting again up at, up at the North Campus. And I'll be real honest with you, them people up there, they're crazy. I mean, they were standing on their heads by the time we walked out of there. And I told them to fill the baptismal up. I know y'all are baptizing here, and we're going to probably baptize up there. I said, get the fresh water in there. I said, refill it again and, and, and be ready. So uh, I want you to close your eyes and think about this restoration that's going on in the church today. And, and I'll be honest, I told my deacons and my pastors this morning in the meeting, I've never seen or felt the clarity that God has given me in this church as I have in the last couple of weeks. He's, he's given me just a, a clear vision about what's going on in the world and where the church needs to be, okay? So let's just pray, and if you got something going on in your heart that you need God to restore, you just you deal with it. You raise your hand and say, God, that's me, and, and we won't have to wait till the end at the altar call. So, Father, today of the restoration process, we all got a little something going on probably in our heart where we was short with a person or we or we we snapped at somebody or maybe we're doing something we shouldn't even be doing or thinking something we shouldn't even be thinking i want i want you lord to restore uh my heart uh to the condition it is supposed to be um and and i ask dear lord uh that you you help us uh see your plan for all of mankind and those who have turned from you my prayers, they would turn back. Uh, and Lord God, I pray for this meeting today um, that those who need to be saved will be saved. Uh, those who need to repent will be repentive, and those who need to be baptized will be baptized. But most of all, you will get the glory. And I pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So shout to the Lord and just give him a hallelujah. Let the offering basket come by. So there's so much to talk about today. So uh, when, I, when I get into this, this camp meeting mode, and we can go ahead and put that picture up if we can. I just kind of, we're just going to. Um, so I'm just, let's just throw this out there real quick. That guy's a circuit rider. Say that with me, circuit rider. That guy's name is John Wesley. It's just, there's a lot of pictures of circuit riders back in the day. And you might ask me the question, say, Pastor Pat, what did circuit riders do? Ask me that. Uh, since you're going to drag it out of me, I'll tell you. Circuit riders used to, Terry, they used to ride around on horses on horseback back in the 1700s. And they would go from one camp meeting to another preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and helping establish a church in their community. Those are good guys right there, amen? amen? Say it with me, circuit riders. And you can look up the history of John Wesley and all that and all the great things he did and starting the Methodist church and everything, and I think uh, he would take issue with what's going on now, but that's another story. Um, but uh, he's the, these are the cats that brought the gospel to the, uh, to the communities out in the, out in the rural areas. They didn't have internet 
or like we got, we got live stream. I'm streaming to these people's houses. Well, these people used to have to ride their horse and buggy and go out to a, a camp meeting or a, or a uh, like an arbor brush uh, camp meeting where they would build their own uh, lean-to and the people would come under it and the, and, the, uh, and the circuit rider would bring the message of God. And it was so popular back then that people would come from all over the place and, and ride for days and days to hear the man of God preach the word. It was something that was really popular and something that was really exciting. The man of God's going to bring us the word. It was exciting. Well, since then, we've, we've had a lot of activity in the world and all different kinds of things. And we've tried all these things, and we know that none of them have worked other than the gospel, amen, and the Constitution. Some, it's, and it's failing at a, at, a, at a miserable rate right now. Uh, so, in, in, in we would think that we would learn a lesson uh, from the people uh, in Babylon when they tried to build the tower and build it without God. Uh, it was it was doomed to fail because they were trying to build things and create a city without God. It'll never work. We need to at least look at history and go uh, situations and and cities and cultures uh, that operate outside the confines of the Bible are doomed to fail. It will fail one hundred percent. I'm going to read you. I'm going to go a little bit backwards, uh, Diane, and and just. Go with Romans 8, 11. And we're going to kind of get in camp meeting mode. And then we'll get into, into uh, uh, Chronicles. Romans 8, 11 says, But if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he who raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body. Say quicken with me. Quicken. Quicken means to uh, bring back to life. Bring back to life, it's to, it's to speed things up. It's to kind of put a little boot in your backside if you're dragging along. Amen? Um, so quicken is used in the Bible about 18 times, uh, just a couple of times in the New Testament, but quicken was used quite a bit uh, back in the Old Testament. So the church and in, in the, in the idea of, of these uh, circuit riders and tent revivals is to revive the church all over the land. And then because the church is revived, the community that you live in is revived also. And it's quite a stance, to be honest with you. And, and I was talking to uh, my daughter, and she was, we were talking about tent revivals and the history of them and, and all that. And it's, it's a lot of work. Um, and I told you there's a lot of reasons why we shouldn't come to church and there's a lot of reasons why you shouldn't have tent revivals because tent revivals are hot uh, and then you have to put up the tent and then some of the people don't want to go under the tent and then, then there's the taking down of the tent and then there's a multiple service. But then when I started doing that, if you look at your bulletin, if you go ahead, Demi, look on the back of the bulletin, I thought about this. I said, well, who deserves not to hear the gospel today? And I, and I don't know what the numbers are back there. There was a, last week, I, I'm trying to figure out which out of the 260 people that showed up at Westport shouldn't hear the gospel. And everybody under the tent meeting goes, everybody should hear. And then I, and I said, well, what about all the, uh, the people up at the North Campus, the 116 people at the North Campus? Should I just leave them out too? Oh, no, don't leave them out. Make sure they're there. Well, what about the 75 people last week that were at the Warrington Campus? Shouldn't they hear the gospel too? 
Well, what about the over 1,700 people who reached on Facebook? Should we not reach them anymore? You, you, you know and, and, and I know that everybody should have the chance to hear the gospel amen. because one of them might be your children, amen? Yeah. Get a drink. I'll drink to that. So we'll just keep doing what we're doing, amen? And it's, and it's uh, a little unpopular, but God really loves it. So my goal is to please God and not please people. So sorry about that. Uh, so he's going to, um, so we were dead. And he says, you're, you're quickening your mortal bodies by his spirit who dwells in you. So if the spirit of the living God doesn't dwell in you, you can ask God to save your soul today because we know uh, that the death rate on earth is still 100% and everybody's going to die. You just have to figure out where it is that you're going. And if you decide today not to make a choice, you've made a choice. Amen. And, and I would also encourage you after you've given your life to Jesus to make sure you get scripturally baptized. And that's a whole other subject, but nonetheless something you ought to do. Second Chronicles chapter 6, verses 12, and I'm not going to read all the verses. If I was to read it in 1 Kings, Terry, it'd be about 60 verses, and I know you guys would probably nod off after the fifth. But this one here out of Chronicles, I don't know, it's, it's a little shorter. It's 40-something verses or whatever. So I'm going to hit the high points and tell you about this. So these camp meetings that went on and these brush arbor meetings and the, and the tent revivals and all these things, sometimes they go on for a long time. And every once in a while, if you go a little long, people tap their watch. The, I mean, not you guys, but people go to other churches. But I found out that these are the same people who will sit on Facebook for eight hours. I mean, you guys don't, but I mean people, other people. So um, the way we combat the enemy is through the word of God. So you need to be filled with it so you can combat in the other days of the week. So this particular deal was going on here was King Solomon, the wisest, richest man that ever lived was dedicating a building to the Lord. Let's just leave it like that and just make it very basic. This camp meeting went on for seven days. <laughs> so <laughs> try to tap your watch to Solomon. <laughs> Amen. Amen? Wouldn't that be funny when you just get started like, Solomon, come on, man, I got to go back there and get on the computer. I got a Zoom meeting here in a minute. Zoom's really is still a meeting. Does anybody do Zoom anymore? Okay. I'll pray for you. I like doing all mine in person. You know, I think if we do more and more in person, it'll help young people with their coping skills. I was thinking about that. Remember back if you're my age when you went out, your dad, you go outside, fix your bike, and you had to fix your bike, otherwise you couldn't ride it. And you had, sometimes you had to pack the bearings where the pedals were and like that, all that. And then you remember when you had to tune the front wheel and you had to put your spokes in line and tighten each one? Can you imagine that happening now? I'll start reading. Second Chronicles 6, 12, and he stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands. So here he goes. He's getting ready to pray. This prayer goes on for a long, long time. 
Listen to some of the things that he says in the prayer. For Solomon had a brazen scaffold of five cubits long and five cubits broad and three cubits high and had set it in the midst of the court and upon it he stood and kneeled down on his knees in the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. Here it is. And said, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you. Say that with me. There's no God like you. There's no God who could come along 50-something years later and overturn a court ruling the way God did with all those. Hey, gavel down, his hand move, it's over. Gavel down, say that with me, gavel down. That means it's law now. I know some people don't like laws, but it's okay. Um, verse 15, you who have kept with your servant, my father, or David, my father, that which you promised him and spoke with him your mouth and have fulfilled it with your hand as of this day. So he's, he told him that he was going to build him uh, a temple. He's going to build him a church, but it wasn't David that was going to do it. It was his son. Sometimes we think it's all about us, and if it doesn't go through us, it's not going to work right. Talk back to me if you're the one that's got to grab it out of somebody's hands just to get it to work. Hey, man. You ever, I kind of bait people in every once in a while at church. I'll grab like a mop. You remember the story like Tom Sawyer? Was it Tom Sawyer that painted the fence? I'm the one that, like, I ever once I'll, like, grab a mop, you know, and I'll just, like, mop, and like, oh, no, do it this way, Pastor. I'm like, show me. <laughs> hey, man, do you like that style? You're doing way better than me. Just keep going. <laughs> um, so it, it's Solomon that's going to build the temple. And here's the thing. You're going to do things today that you may never see manifest. So it'll be okay. Your kids will reap the reward. I need a mom to talk back to me or a daddy. I don't need to see it. I know it's going to happen because I'm doing it for God. And it doesn't matter who gets the credit as long as it's God. It's called being humble. You know, God hates pride. That's what kicked... Satan out of heaven was pride. So if you're going to fly under either banner, make sure it's under love. Um, Verse 16, now therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep your servant David, my father, that which you have promised him, saying, There shall not fail to be a man in my sight to sit upon the throne of Israel, yet so that your children take heed to their Way to walk in my law as you have, uh, as you have walked before me. So, walking in the law of the Lord brings freedom, and we know that if you were to read Romans eight, it just talks about life in the spirit, and that's kind of like living in the United States of America. The red, white, and blue represents freedom. And the Bible represents spiritual freedom. And when you put the two together, it's a wonderful marriage made in heaven. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. 
I'll keep preaching. Here it is. Um, verse 18, let's go there. But will God in, in very deed dwell with men on earth? Behold, heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain you, how much less this house which I have built. So what he's saying here, he said, God, you're so big, you're so vast, you're so powerful, you, we know deep down inside that your spirit is all over the place and can't be just contained in one place. Your true glory shines all over the world. And it's powerful. And I thought, I thought about this last night when we were under the tent. What would happen if God's true Shekinah glory just shot through this, this just a boom? And just everybody's like, whoa, what was that? That's God's Shekinah glory. And it is so bright and it is so powerful, but no one has ever seen it in its fullness. Amen. And it's like, uh, remember like when Moses went up uh, to get the Ten Commandments in, on the mountain of Horeb and then. Uh, he was veiled and he came back. He looked like he had a suntan. He was in Florida for a long time. I mean, everybody knows like when you come back from Florida, like, man, you must have been in Florida, dude. <laughs> no, just in the presence of God. <laughs> Think about that. You'll say amen. Um, so uh, verse 20 says that your eyes may be open upon this house uh, day and night. So he said, I want your presence here to be felt. And wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be weird? Like if you showed up to church and the presence of the Holy Spirit wasn't here, it would be just like going to a college and having a professor pr uh, preach to you a lecture. Just, uh, just lecturing you on, on stuff he knows nothing about. What you feel today and in the, in the movement and so, in the nudging, the gentle nudging and the loving nudging is, is the power of God's Holy Spirit. He's in, he's in here today. I've invited him in to touch lives. Amen. Amen. And, and I want you to be praying with me. Hearken, therefore, unto the supplications of your servant and of your people Israel, which they shall make towards this place. Hear from heaven, your dwelling place, even from heaven. And when you hear, forgive. Isn't that what we all want? We want forgiveness. And I told you before, unforgiveness is like you drinking poison and hoping the other guy dies. And sometimes we'll just keep doing it. We'll get, oh, we get bitter. Oh, I'm telling you what, burger. I remember you took my parking space when you came. Amen. I mean, there's nothing worse than that. I mean, it, he ought to just like, you know, rot or something. Verse 22, if a man sins against his neighbor and an oath be laid upon him to make him swear and an oath to come uh, before your altar in this house, then when you hear from heaven and do and judge your servants by uh, requiting the wicked, by recompensing his way upon his own head and by justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. Aren't you glad you live under the New Testament? Amen. Because all this stuff is going to be counted against you here. Amen. And if your people Israel be put to the worst before the enemy because you have sinned against you, you shall return and confess your name and pray and make supplication before you in this house. Then hear from heaven. So he's asking, he said, God, I want you to hear from heaven. Can you imagine getting on your knees and not believing that God can't hear your prayers? Some, sometimes uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, when I don't know what to say, I just kneel down. I say, oh, God. 
And God knows what's going on in your heart because it's his Holy Spirit who dwells there. It's a, it's a perfect heavenly language, whether you're groaning or you're speaking in tongues or whatever. Oh, God. He knows the, the woes with your family and the woes with your husband and the hoes with and the, your wife and your children and all that. He knows all these woes. You just have to say, oh, God. Say that with me today, oh, God. And if anybody's struggling today, they'll understand what this message is all about. It's, it's unrepented sin, and then, we, and then we, need to, we need to repent and ask God to restore to my heart, my heart the joy of your salvation. Verse 26, when the heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you. So that means that God can literally hold up the rain on a city that is trying to grow a crop because of unconfessed sin. You can read that in Malachi. They couldn't grow crops, and they were trying to give some of these, some of these animals that were, were blind, and they, were, they, were, you know, they had all kinds of defects going on, and they were going, here you go, God, here, here's a great sacrifice. We're going to give you this, uh, this sheep or this goat, and they actually was going to kill it, but they go, oh, I'll just give it to God. And we need to quit giving God what's left and give him what is right. I told you what it looks like is you going to your pantry and pulling out the spam and giving it to God instead of a T-bone. Amen? Just say, I can relate. And some people like spam, so I'm not. And I pray for you, too. I grew up with Spam sandwiches. Go ahead and rise with me. I'll t- uh, you're falling asleep. I'll tell you about my Spam sandwiches. Spam was a very popular, uh, and I, I hear it still is in, in some places. Spam, uh, like a Spam sandwich is something my mom would, uh, you can bring praise team up if you want. A Spam sandwich is, is, is fat Fried on top of fat. And it's not really food, Mr. Cope. It's, Im- it's imitation. We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more about this. So I, I don't want you to leave here and go like, I can give God whatever. You know, I got, if I got like a little time, if I got like a little time, then maybe I can squeeze like some God in today. I think I can, but it's after the coffee and the cat and the dog and the kids and the husband and all that stuff. And I get it. We're all busy. Say that to your neighbor. We're all busy. Look at him. Like, I know you're busy. You're busy. Busy. We're busy. We're busy, Pastor. They always tell me they're busy. I'm like, ooh, yeah. Just make sure you understand that acronym, what busy is. Being under Satan's yoke. Can I keep preaching? It wants to get you busy. If he can't get you busy, then he'll get you to chew on each other. Chew on each other. And then he keeps going on. He he says, uh, then hear from heaven... 
If there be dearth in the land, if there be pestilence, I'm in 28, if there be blasting or mildew or locusts or caterpillars or any uh, besieged in the cities of their land whatsoever, so or whatever, so sickness be there. And what we're trying to do is we're going to, here's how we're going to fix all our problems. We're going we're gonna to spray the crops with a, a super spray. And then if something comes into land, then we're going to vaccinate till everybody glows. Do you see a similarity going on here? I'm just reading out of the Bible. We're going to handle it all with chemicals. How's that working out for you guys? Well, they get too wound up. They can always go to the drive-by pot store. There's a great idea. Smoke more pot so you get higher. It's getting, nobody's even talking amen here. That's a, that's a real good idea. And let's push more prescription drugs. We'll make them legal, but we're going to push them. And then we're going to try to get younger and younger people on these prescription drugs so they will, they will get addicted to it, so they'll have to go to the government to get the prescriptions so they can't hand them to you. I'm going to keep preaching until the church gets it. And then we're going to spray... Then we're going to spray the crops and spray the pot, and then you're going to smoke it. And let's raise alcohol in a can from 5% to 8%. And it's all legal. But which one of them guys do you want operating on your children? Or driving a school bus? It's all legal. Am I making sense at the church today? You go, man, I don't like the guy, but he sure makes sense. A lot of people don't like me because I, I speak so much truth. They're just like, man, the guy, he's just slapping me with truth left and right. Verse 30, then hear from heaven. your dwelling place and forgive and render unto every man according unto his ways whose heart you know. <laughs> See, you can come in and fool me. Woo! Everything's fine. Moses, everything's fine. Pastor Pat, woo, we're doing good. Yeah, doing good right here. Yeah, doing good. Do that. You know, this shake. Oh, yeah, we're doing great. Guys are really like bringing in here, man. Woo. Doing good. And then you get home on your knees and you say, God, I'm not doing good. He knows. He knows your heart because that's what he judges. And that's what he's after. You, you, got, a, you, got, a, uh, you got a little conundrum going on there. You got a little, uh, it's discombobulated. You go, well, who works on hearts? God does. God's the only one who can change a heart and the only institution in the heart changing business is God's church. You can't medicate your heart enough to get it changed. Well, maybe we can vote somebody in that'll do that. No, you can't. All they'll do is make things worse. And he says in verse 34, if your people go out into war against their enemy, by the way, that you should send them and that they pray 
and you toward this city which you have chosen and the house which I have built for your name. Then hear from heaven their prayer with their supplication and maintain their cause. So you can't even win a war when you got unconfessed sin in your heart. And I'll get to the part that I'm trying to get to. And then he takes it into chapter 7. Verse 14. And I remember this was, this was painted all over the houses over in Bridgeton when the tornado blew through. Just wiped, just, just wiped out houses. It was painted on, it was painted on the house. I remember when Sergio painted on his house. He knew. He said, we're under some kind of judgment. And here's what it says. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves. Say that with me, humble. Humble. Remember, you got to be humble. Can't be prideful. Shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and I will what, class? I will heal their land. And I don't know about you, but we need some healing going on. Oh, Jesus. We need some healing going on. And it started. Let me let you know this right now. The pendulum has shifted. And the favor's back in the eyes of God. Angie, let's bring the house lights down for a second. Before we get the baptism going, I want to I want to tell you something. We've only begun to fight as Christians. There's a lot more left in the tank here. Because I'm not running on my own power. I'm running, Kathy, I'm running on, on the power of the Holy Ghost. Just running on the power of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and people, my staff and my church, and they always, you need to get some more rest, Pastor Pat. You need to get some rest. He needs to rest. Say that with me. He needs to rest. He looks like he's tired. He needs to rest. Here's, don't confuse what you see as somebody who's wore out. I'm just pumped up and getting ready for the fight ahead. And I got to let you know. This is the way I close every meeting if this is your first time here at this church. And I got to make sure that I'm not, I don't want this to, uh, to be on my head and on my hands. So I'm going to ask you this question. I want you to close your eyes and we'll, we'll get ready for the baptism this way. Have you given your life to Jesus? Every one of y'all, everybody. And some of the people who've been here, some of the people who's been at this church, Carol or Carl or Terry or Pastor Jay or Copes, Woods. Say, he always ends, Barbie always ends with the same thing. Wanting to know if somebody wants to get saved. What the heck? That went out of style. No, it didn't go out of style. 
You know I went out of style as a seeker-friendly church. That's out of style. The soft pedal in the gospel church, that's out of style. This is a true gospel, Bible-toting, flag-waving, blood-bought, devil-chasing church that ain't fixing to shut up anytime soon. So I'm going to pray for you. And if that's you, you say, oh, Pastor Pet, I, I got to get saved today. I know you, you cracked it on me pretty good. It sticks on you like a dang fly trap, doesn't it, when you preach the gospel? You just kind of, you ever seen them fly traps? They don't use them anymore because they're probably, PETA probably gets upset about the flies being stuck on there. Somehow they'll spin it. But that's the way the gospel is. It's like a, it's like, it sticks on you like a fly trap. Oh, man, I'm trying to shake it off, but it's stuck on me. Well, good. Here it is then. Raise your hand right now. And just say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Just right there where you are. And it don't matter who's looking. Just raise and say, I got to get saved here. I, I want to give my life to Jesus. And then, and then what I want you to do is I want you to walk out in the aisle. I want you to come over here to Pastor Mark and just walk up to him and say, Pastor Mark, I want to give my life to Jesus. And I want you to lead me in prayer so I can start a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just come on and walk down here. And then, then the next group can come down here and say, I got unrepented sin in my heart. I've been trying to hide it and deal with it. But I'm going to lay it down at the altar today. One, two, three, come on out. Right here, just walk down the aisle. One, two, three. Come on. There you are. Right there. Right here. Just I want to get saved. Can you, can you, can you see the hand of God moving in the church? I got some unrepented sin. I want somebody to pray. Mrs. Colfer, will you pray for this sister right here? Just put your hands on her back and pray for her right now. Still got room over here for those who need to be saved over here. Just right here. You say, you know what? Phillips, I had a little something going on in my heart. I, I got to get it out of my heart because I don't want it to poison the blessing that God's tried to rain down on me. Oh, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold it forever, Chris. I'm going to be mad at the whole world. Hey, man, you're burning up a bunch of time when you could be loving people. See, that's the cool thing about Christianity. It's a, it's a religion that is based on love, and it only works through love. And all God's people said amen. Let's applaud the Lord. Hallelujah.